0: Welcome to the great detectives of old time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com/greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show On a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. Thanks so much to Jerry for supporting the program there. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now let's get into this week's episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. And the series was renewed for a second season, and it started in September and would continue for uh, about a year, uh, but with no summer break this time. Would continue as a sustaining feature, as NBC tried to remain competitive in the ratings, and also to compete with CBS. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode, Original air date September 30th, 1951, and the title is Death Shaft. From Hollywood, another
1: authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Death Shaft.
2: It is 9.30 a.m., November 18th, 1941, in the Big Bend country of West Texas. J.C. Wilford of the Bureau of Mines and Fred Blaisdell are winding up a narrow dirt road toward Blaisdell's abandoned mine in Blackhawk Canyon.
3: How long did you say it's been since you operated your mine, Mr. Blaisdell? I never have operated it, Wilford. It was left me by my brother when he passed on. Oh, I see. I was understood there was ore here if you had the money to get it out, but I didn't. Mm. So I just let her sit here, haven't even been near the place for oh, um, two years anyway. But lately, I've been reading that the government's anxious to get some of these mines going again. Mm -hmm. That's why I got in touch with you at the Bureau of Mines to see if you think it's a worthwhile proposition. Well, if it looks promising at all, we can make a thorough survey, do a little diamond drilling, and see what we've got. Then if it looks good, you think the government will loan the money to operate it? That's something I can't answer. All we at the Bureau do is make the recommendation. Hey, pretty desolate country around here, isn't it? Yeah, I see. Yeah, here we are. Oh, uh, is that the entrance to the mine ahead? Yeah, yeah, that's it. All boarded up. And padlocked. Guess my brother put that door on the entrance to the shaft when it quit working the mine. Yeah, I got my key.
4: That's
3: funny. What's the matter, please? Key doesn't seem to fit. Well, you sure it's the right one. Yeah, I... Uh... Hey, this isn't the same lock on here. What? Well, there was a master padlock on here before. Now it's just a cheap one from a dime store, looks like. That's strange. Who'd want to switch locks? Why? I don't know. Somebody must have been snooping around up here. Wait. Piece iron bar line over here. See if I can find that lock off. It's a fairly new lock by the look of yeah. it. yeah. Okay, let's open her up. Yeah, I got the flashlight. I better go first. Okay, Wilfred. Shh. So wet in here. Yeah. These drifts collect a lot of moisture when the mine's not in use. So, reasonable. What's the matter, Wilford? Look, they're on the ground in front of us. Holy smoke, a skeleton. The clothes just about all rotted away. In it. A... A different padlock on the entrance. It looks like somebody didn't want this skeleton found, well, but... Yeah, and if you take a look at the skull, you'll see why. Hey, it's all bashed in. It sure is. The club or a rock by the look of it. Yeah,
5: whoever that was, looks like he was murdered. The two
2: men notified Sheriff Benson, who requested help from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case, joining the sheriff and two men at Blaisdell's mine.
3: Hmm. Pretty damp, Sheriff. Sure is. You men touch anything in here? Uh, Not a thing, Ranger. After I pried off the new lock, we come inside. But just as soon as we saw the skeleton, we got out in a hurry and called the sheriff. Isn't that right, Wilbur? We'll yeah, that's right, Ranger.
6: Well, there it is, Jace. Yeah. Hmm. The skull sure is bashed in. It'd be pretty hard to tell how long he's been dead, Jase. Yeah, remains would deteriorate pretty fast in this dampness. And as far as telling who it is, clothes are all rotted away, so the same would go for any papers he might have been carrying. Just a minute, Sheriff. Hmm? Look, these loose rocks on the side here. All right. Looks like a leather wallet. It is. Pretty well preserved, too. Sure, sure. It was a little higher than the skeleton up out of the wet. Yeah, Pretty lucky for us. Looks that way. Any money in it? No, just some papers. Mm. Might have been robbery. He'll have took the money, then tossed the billfold away. Can you make out the writing on any of the papers? Gilbert W. Madden. Madden. Uh, name mean anything to you, Blaisdell? Uh, I was just trying to think. No, no, I don't. I don't remember ever hearing it before. How about you, Mister Wilford? Being from the Bureau of Mines, you probably spend a lot of time around this part of the state. You ever hear the name before?
3: Madden. Sounds a little familiar, but I, I can't seem to place it, Ranger. I'm
6: sorry. Okay. I guess that'll be all for now. Let's get back outside. We want signed statements from you. You can drop around the sheriff's office and make them. I'll be in
3: this afternoon, if that's okay. Sure.
6: See you then, Blaisdell.
3: Come on, Wilfred. I'll give you a lift back to
6: town. Right. You through here, Jess? Not quite. Take this broken padlock along. I want to look at this hasp on the door.
3: I doubt if you can tell much from that. It's all scratched up where Blaisdell pried off that padlock.
6: Yeah, I know. There's one thing sort of puzzles me a little, Sheriff. What is it? This new lock isn't rusty enough to have been out here in the open for very long. What do you figure that means? I won't know until I can get some idea of the approximate time of death. Come on, let's get back to town and start checking on Gilbert Madden. See if we can find out how long ago he was murdered. Back at the sheriff's office, I checked through the missing persons reports and found one on Gilbert Madden filed by his wife eight months before. Mrs. Madden was promptly notified and requested to meet us at the sheriff's office for routine questioning. Have a seat, Mrs. Madden.
7: Thank you, Sheriff.
6: I'm sorry to be asking questions at a time like this, ma'am.
7: That's all right, Ranger. I don't suppose there's any doubt it was Gil. I'm
6: afraid not, ma'am. We found his wallet, and the lab confirmed the identification by means of the teeth.
7: Well, I felt for some time that Gil must be dead. In a way, it's almost better knowing instead of wondering. I
6: know. Mrs. Madden, our lab's trying to establish the time of your husband's murder. Now, according to our information, you filed this missing persons report on last March 23rd, a little less than eight months ago. That's right. What were the circumstances surrounding your husband's disappearance?
7: Well, uh, Gilbert was a mine broker. He made trips in the mining country every now and then. He planned to be away for two or three weeks, so I decided to visit my relatives in Kansas while he was gone.
6: I see. When was that?
7: Right around the first of March, as I remember.
6: And how long were you in Kansas? Three weeks. Did you hear from your husband during that time?
7: Oh, yes, I did. I got a letter from him just a couple of days before I was to return home, saying he would meet my train. But he wasn't at the depot when I arrived. Called all over town trying to locate him, and then when I couldn't, I got worried. The next day, I filed a report with the police.
6: Well, let's see. That'd make it about the 20th of March when you got that last letter from your husband. That means he was alive up until the time he mailed it, anyway, which would be about the 18th of March. Come in. I left my statement with you, Deputy Sheriff. Anything else? Oh, I reckon not. Mrs. Madden, this is Mr. Blaisdell. how
7: did you? do?
6: Ms. Madden? Mr. Blaisdell owns the mine where your husband's body was discovered.
7: Oh. I'm uh,
6: sorry to make your acquaintance
3: under this sort of circumstance, Miss Madden.
7: Uh, Sheriff, I'm sure you told me where this mine was over the phone when you notified me, but what with the shock, I don't seem to remember. Oh, my
3: mine
6: is over in Blackhawk Canyon, Ms. Madden.
7: Blackhawk Canyon. Uh,
6: that mean anything to you, Miss Madden? Old Willie. Who?
7: Uh, old Willie. He lives up in Blackhawk Canyon somewhere.
6: Look, Mrs. Madden, who is this old Willie?
7: Well, he has a mind up there. He's a strange old man. He's very eccentric. Well, what
6: makes you think he had anything to do with this?
7: Because in that last letter I got from Gilbert, he mentioned something about old Willie pestering him again. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time.
6: I still don't get the connection between your husband and this old Willie, Mrs. Madden.
7: Well, you see, about two years ago, my husband made a business trip into that region. I went with him. This old Willie was hanging around a little store where we stopped for a cold drink. When he found out my husband was a mine broker, he became very excited. Said he had a valuable mine he wanted Gilbert to look at.
6: Did your husband inspect Willie's mine?
7: No, because the storekeeper broke in and told us Willie's mine was worthless. Willie became furious, and finally the storekeeper threw him out.
6: I see. Did Willie threaten your husband, Mrs. Madden?
7: Well, he wrote a few crazy sort of letters to Gilbert, accusing him of being a spy for what he called the big companies. Hmm.
6: Mr. Blaisdell, have you ever heard of this old Willie?
3: No, I haven't, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm not acquainted with anybody in that area.
6: Jase, I sure think this old Willie is worth questioning. So do I, Sheriff. We'll head back to Blackhawk Canyon and see if we can find him. Right now, he sounds like a first-class murder suspect.
1: In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger
2: Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC... Here's great news for all of you Western fans. Beginning next Friday on most NBC stations, Roy Rogers, the King of the Cowboys, and Dale Evans, the Queen of the West, will bring you the new Roy Rogers show. Yes, beginning next Friday, be sure to listen for Roy Rogers, Dale Evans, and Trigger in New Adventures in Paradise Valley. It's the Roy Rogers show Friday on most NBC stations. Be sure to listen.
1: We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case, Death Shaft, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers.
6: As a matter of routine, I checked up on Mrs. Madden's story of her visit to relatives in Kansas and quickly confirmed the fact that she was there during the period she had stated. Next, Sheriff Benson and I drove to the small general store in Blackhawk Canyon and questioned the storekeeper.
5: Old Willie? Sure I know him, Ranger. Comes in here once a month regular for supplies. Crazy as a Where does he live, Price? About 20 miles up the canyon. He's got a no-count mine up on East Rim. Of course, he thinks it's just chock full of ore. (laughs) Mr. Price... I want you to think back about two
6: years ago. An incident involving old Willie and a mine broker named Madden is supposed to have
5: taken place here in your store. You remember anything about it? Sure do. Willie started giving this mine broker the usual jaw wagon about his mine being valuable. <laughs> so I figured I'd better stick more in and tell the fellow Willie's mine wasn't worth a dad burn set.
6: What happened then?
5: Oh, Willie flew off the handle in his crazy way. Started spouting a bunch of threats and other loony talk, so I... Finally, I had to kick him out of the store.
6: Well, Jay, that sure checks with what Miss Madden told us. Yeah. Mr. Price, can you give us directions for finding Willie's place? We'd like to pay him a visit.
5: Well, pretty rough country up there. Yeah,
6: we got horses in the trailer outside.
5: Oh, well, in that case, you can make it all right. Uh, you'll find the trail leading north off the road up ahead about um, five miles. Uh, stick to the trail until they cross a dry creek. Uh, then you'll see another trail taken off up the side of the canyon.
6: The second trail leads us to Willie's mine, huh?
5: Yep. Of course, uh, you may not find him there.
6: Why not? He's
5: pretty skitterish about visitors.
6: That's just why I want to pay him a visit. See if he's got anything to be skitterish about. Uh We should be just about there, Sheriff. Yeah. i climb. Looks like we're directly across the canyon from Blaisdell's mine. Listen. Burrow. Must be Willie's. We're close, all right. Once we get around this bend in the trail, yeah. It looks like some diggings up ahead there. And just take a look at that shack, Someplace. Some Galvanized iron, car paper, cardboard. I wonder what keeps it up. Probably that stove pipe sticking up through the center of the roof. Yeah. It's smoking, too. Willie must be home all right. Oh, ooh, charcoal. Oh, ooh, boy. I... Would you look at the junk he's got hanging on the outside walls. Pieces of barbed wire, tin cans, keys, bottles. Looks like Willie's hard pack wrap. Hmm. The door's open. Nobody inside. Inside looks like the outside. Only more so. Wonder where I hold it. Hmm? Look, over there in the bushes. Yeah, something moved all right.
3: Willie, come out of there. Willie.
6: Hey, somebody's coming out all right. Sure don't look very friendly with that rifle.
4: What do you fellas want?
6: You throw that rifle down and we'll tell you.
4: You got no call to come poking around my property.
6: You're wrong there, Willie. This is Sheriff Benson and I'm Ranger Pearson. We want to ask you a few questions. Now drop that rifle and come over here.
4: You think I'm going to tell you about my mind, don't you? Yeah, and I'm not. Now, just a minute, Willie. You want to get it away from me just like all the rest. you spies for them, that's what you are. You come poking around here trying to... What are you get... talking
6: about, Willie? Spies for whom?
4: For the big companies. They all want my mind because they know it's right smack dab on the biggest vein in the county. That's why they send spies snooping around here, like you two.
6: I don't know, Jase. Willie... Have you ever been near the Blaisdell mine across the canyon from here?
4: It ain't as good as this it is.
6: Answer my question. Have you ever been near there? Yeah, maybe. How long ago?
4: Oh, a couple of days. What
6: were you doing over there? Patrolling. What do you mean, patrolling?
4: Oh, I patrol all over. Gotta watch for the spies. Hmm.
6: Ever hear the name Gilbert
4: Madden? He ain't gonna never get my mine. All I need's a little money to operate. I asked you a
6: question, Willie? Have you ever hear of Gilbert Madden? You heard him, Willie.
4: Hey, maybe I have and maybe I ain't. You fellas come up here spying just like he
6: Just like who?
4: Madden? <laughs> think you're pretty smart, don't you? But you're not going to trap me. He had his chance to get me money for the mine, but he wouldn't.
3: That why you killed him?
4: <laughs> hey, you think you're going to get me confused with your smart talk, don't you? Hell, you ain't. I ain't got too much on my mind patrolling to worry about killing anybody.
6: Yeah? I wonder. We got a witness that you had a fight with Madden. And furthermore... Just a minute, Sheriff. What is it? Just happened to notice something hanging on the outside wall here. Just a bunch of old rusty keys. Yeah. But this one isn't as rusty as the rest. Well, let me see. Gee. That key's the same make as the lock Blaisdell pried off the entrance to his mine. That's right, Sheriff.
4: Come here, Willie. Hey, what you want?
6: Where'd you get this key?
4: Say, that's a good one. You want to trade Seb?
6: Where'd you get it?
4: I saved keys. Quit
6: stalling, Willie. Where'd you get it?
4: Coming around here asking me all kinds of questions. You got no call
6: to... I got that you... padlock back in my office, Chase. I'm sure interested to see whether this key fits it. So am I. Come on, Willie, get your burro. We're going to take a ride.
4: Make me be come down here with you fellas. You think I'm not wise, do you?
3: Padlock's in my desk here. You
4: get me down here while one of your other spies snoops around my mind Take takes samples.
6: Here it is. Let's have it. Okay, now I'll try this key in it. It sure does.
4: Well,
6: I guess that does it all right.
4: Uh, uh, can I go now? No,
6: Willie. I don't think you'll be going anywhere for quite a spell. The sheriff booked Willie, but we were unable to get any sort of coherent statement out of him. Finally, we locked him up and went back into the sheriff's office.
3: Well, regardless of whether or not he gives us a confession, I suppose we could get a conviction all
6: right. Maybe. Unless they find him mentally incompetent. Even so, they'll put him away. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking. It'd be pretty rough on him if he happened to be innocent, wouldn't it? You'd be... Innocent? Now, Jay... Yeah, I know. We have two witnesses to the fact that Willie threatened Gilbert Madden. That's right. Mrs. Madden and the storekeeper. But what clinches it is a padlock on Blaisdell's mind, Jayce. That key we found at Willie's shack fits it. That's about as solid evidence as there is, seems to me. I wonder... What do you mean? A couple of things about this don't feel quite right to me, Sheriff. Well, what, for instance? Well, near as the lab can figure, Madden was murdered about eight months ago. That's right, last March. But the lock Blaisdell broke off the mine entrance was hardly rusty at all, and neither was the key we found hanging out in the open at Willie's shack. What's wrong with that, Jase? Willie broke off the original lock when he hid Madden's body. But Madden died eight months ago, and that second lock couldn't have been on the hasp that long. Well, maybe Willie didn't put the lock on right away. Maybe later he got to worrying about somebody discovering the body, and, well, that's when he put it on. Sheriff, the time you're most worried about a body being discovered is right after you've killed a man, not several months later. Sure, that's the way a sensible person would react. But remember who we're dealing with, old Willie, who's not exactly what you call a sensible man. I know, Sheriff. But then there's the part about the key hanging right out in plain sight at Willie's shack. Now, Jace, you said yourself Willie was part pack rat. Remember all the other junk he had hanging around the shack? Sure I do, Sheriff. I also remember what Willie said when we showed him that key. Say, that's a good one. Just like he'd never noticed it before. What are you getting at, Jace? Maybe Willie did kill Madden, but it seems to me there's a bare chance he didn't. Then how'd he get that key? Oh, he could have found it. Or it could have been planted there. That'd be awful tough to prove either way, Jase. Sure it would. As long as it's a possibility, we're not closing the case. Come on, let's talk to Mrs. Madden and see if she can give us a line on anybody besides old Willie... who might have a reason for killing her husband. We drove out to the Madden house, but Mrs. Madden was unable to give us any new information... She suggested we go through her husband's business records, which were in a spare room he'd used for an office. So the sheriff and I started in. But an hour later, the only things we found just made it look all the worse for Willie. Hmm. What
3: do you got, Jace?
6: Uh, a bunch of letters written on wrapping paper. Addressed to Madden. Crazy, threatening letters. Who wrote them? You guess. Willie? Yeah, Willie. Listen, you better watch out. I ain't going to let you steal my mind. Mm. That's really all right. of something like that? Yeah. All six of them. Well, Jase, it looks all the worse for Willie now. We've been through just about all Madden's records and papers. These threatened letters are all we come up with. Yeah, and from the looks of it, Madden kept records of just about everything. Well, we might as well put these papers back, I guess. Okay. What do you got there? Uh, a pile of canceled checks. Hand them over, and I'll stick them here in the drawer. Okay, just thumbing through them. I guess there's nothing here. I. Hey. What is it? Sheriff, look at this check. It's dated two years ago. Hmm? Let's see. Well, what about it? It's just made out the cash and signed by Madden. Yeah, but take a look at this pencil writing up in the corner. Pencil writing? Let's... Well, I'll be. So will I. Come on. Going to make an arrest? Not yet. I need more proof, and I think I know a way to get it. Just go along with whatever I say. Sure, Jase. Did you find anything that's in
7: help in Gilbert's papers, Range Pearson?
6: I think we did, Mrs. Madden. You said you accompanied your husband on his business trip into the Blackhawk Canyon area two years ago. That's right. Why'd he go there?
7: Well, just to size up the situation, find out what mines were for sale.
6: I see. He didn't actually transact any business, though.
7: No. Of course, this Willie wanted him to come up and see his mine, but when the storekeeper told us the mine was no good. Yeah.
6: And you stayed right with your husband the whole trip. Yes. Okay. Thanks, ma'am.
7: You say you found something in Gilbert's papers?
6: Well, we don't know for sure, so I'd like to give you a receipt for these canceled checks. I want more time to examine them. Here you are.
7: Canceled checks?
6: Yeah. It looks like one of them's going to take the wrong man out of jail and put the right man in. Come on, Sheriff.
7: Let's see. Well, I'm glad to hear it. If there's anything more I can do... We'll
6: let you know, Mrs. Madden. Goodbye. She's lying, Jason. I like a trooper. What now? We'll watch her. Have one of your deputies keep an eye on him. We don't want him to get away, but we don't want to pick him up yet either. Okay, I'll call my office from the drugstore. I'll wait in my car around the corner. Meet me there. <laughs> The sheriff made his call and rejoined me. We sat in my car, waiting. And a little after dark, Mrs. Madden's car pulled away from her house, heading out of town. We followed, keeping well back. Two miles out of town, she pulled off the highway, parked behind another car, got out and headed into the brush. The sheriff and I worked our way slowly and quietly in the direction she'd taken. Should be around here somewhere. Yeah. Keep it as quiet as possible, sheriff. Reckon she'd come out here to meet him? Looks like... Listen. Yeah. I hear him talking. Look, they're not clearing ahead. Let's ease up a little. You little
3: fool, you must have overlooked something when you went through those records. No,
7: I'm sure I didn't, Fred. I found the entry he made where you paid him for appraising your mind two years ago. I tore it out. There's nothing in those records to show the two of you knew each other. You're
6: wrong there, ma'am. Hold it real steady, Blaisdell. Pearson. Yeah. So the two of you didn't know each other until I introduced you, huh? You've been in it together ever since you met two years ago.
3: Clary, you little fool. You were tricked into coming out here so they could catch us together.
6: They didn't have any proof of anything. I got proof right here in my pocket that you lied when you said you didn't know Madden, Blaisdell. Yeah, what kind of proof? Something you overlooked, Mrs. Madden. A check made out to cash. You didn't notice the pencil writing on it.
7: Pencil writing?
6: Your husband made a notation that the check was to cover expenses of a trip he'd made to appraise Blaisdell's mine two years ago. You told me you were with your husband the whole trip. So you lied about not knowing Blaisdell. Clara, you stupid... Ranger, right.
7: you gotta listen to me, I... I didn't want any part of it, but Blaise will forced me to. What's it. that? I'm in the clear. I was in Kansas when it happened. Blazor killed my husband. Oh,
3: that's how you stick by me, is it? Why, you little Blazor. You're not going to get away free, Claire. I guarantee that. Sure, I killed Madden Ranger, but it was her idea. That's
7: a lie.
3: I uh, right from the start, it was her idea. How to go about it? Put the body in my own mind and change life. She's
7: lying, Ranger. Plant the
3: key at Willie's shack, pretend she and I didn't know each other, then produce the body so she could collect on the insurance. All of it was her idea. You shut up. You shut up. I'm not half finished yet. Gotta
5: wedge out on me, will you? Wait till I get through spill.
6: Shut up, you shut up. You know, Sheriff, strikes me we've only got one problem left. What's that, Jase? Getting them to talk slow enough so a stenographer can get it all down. Come on, both of you.
2: Blaisdell and Clara Madden were indicted and placed on trial for the brutal murder of Gilbert Madden. For her part in the crime, Clara was sentenced to 50 years in the women's prison at Gory. On the morning of May 3rd, 1942, Blaisdell was put to death in the electric
5: chair.
6: And now, here is the star of our show... Joel McCrae. Hello, folks. First of all, we want to thank you kindly for the many wonderful letters and cards we received during the summer months. It's mighty heartwarming to know we have so many good friends. As a matter of fact, the Rangers themselves have received quite a few of your letters, too. And like us, they certainly appreciated hearing from you. I'm sure that most of you will recall reading about a great Texas Ranger captain who retired from active duty on July 31st of this year. Some of our stories have been based on his exploits. He's the famous Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzales, whose favorite guns are engraved with the code he has always lived by in his colorful career. Never draw me without cause, nor shield me without dishonor. Tomorrow, it'll be exactly 31 years since Lone Wolf was sworn in as a Texas Ranger. And as in the past year, so in the years to come, we are proud to have him as our technical advisor. Congratulations, Cap. See you next week, folks.
1: Next week, Joel McCrae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Johnstone, Lamont Johnson, Ken Christie, Betty Lou Gerson, and Brad Brown. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Bob Ripe, and the program is produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking.
2: It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Today, hear the glittering premiere program of The Big Show, broadcast from London, and featuring Sir Lawrence Olivier, Fred Allen, Beatrice Lilly, and your unpredictable hostess Tallulah Bankhead. Then join in the fun with the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show as they launch their new comedy season. And later, Theatre Guild on the Air brings you Joseph Cotton and Joan Fontaine in Main Street by Sinclair Lewis.
3: Ladies and gentlemen,
2: the program You Can't Take It With You, starring Walter Brennan, is now heard at a new time and day.
3: That's Friday on most NBC stations. Stay tuned for The Big Show and Tallulah on NBC, the national broadcasting company.
0: Welcome back. Overall, a solid episode. And the clues really were in the episode in a lot of ways. And sometimes it does come down to a matter of interpretation. Like the way the murderer was talking about why he was opening the mine. While the dialogue was kind of stilted and as you know, you kind of just interpret that or at least I did, as just the writer's way of establishing what was going on. But, you know, looking at it another way, it kind of uh, betrays a certain nervousness, the sort of very uh, stilted way he went about it. I question myself whether it was necessary to do it this way. And, uh, you know, I think if they were wanting to frame the eccentric guy, they kind of needed to do it this way. But, of course, it really is an open question as to whether they uh, needed to do it that way. But they wanted the insurance money, and they wanted not to be viewed as suspects in the case. So... They needed the body found, and they needed a fall guy. Now, I do think that there are probably a lot of places they could have hidden the body where the odds of it being found were very limited. But then they would have been waiting seven years under the Enoch Arden laws. And uh, you did have this uh, bit where the sheriff kind of illustrated a bit of thinking that they were planning on taking advantage of. Uh, When Jay started to point out that there were some inconsistencies and some aspects of the case didn't make sense, the sheriff's essential initial response was, well, the guy is off, and so any inconsistencies can be explained by that. But, of course, that's not true. Some people have eccentricities and mental illnesses that make them... uh, or lead them to act in ways that are not what uh, would be expected. But there are patterns, and there are types of behavior that are explained by those sort of things, and then there are things that are not. And I don't think that the way that guy acted, that there's a good explanation for why he would have replaced the lock on the mine with a cheaper lock and then kept the key. It wasn't like he'd, uh, you know, want to go back and check on the body every now and again. The evidence was an obvious plant, but the sheriff, you know, had his case and, you know, had had a reason in his mind just to stick with it because he assumed that Any, you know, thing that was odd about it was just because of the guy's mental illness and didn't need an actual explanation. Now, I don't want to ever be patronizing in what I explain or talk about stuff that, you know, everybody in the audience knows about. However, I do think that it's worth uh, explaining about canceled checks, even though I think that Probably 70 to 80% of the audience is aware of this, but it used to be that um, with everyone's statement, uh, they could get back all of the checks they were written that were presented to their bank for payment. And they could use these checks to help balance their books or, you know, note any discrepancies. I've never utilized this option myself, but when I was growing up, it was something that my parents utilized all the time, you know, and, you know, when we went through boxes uh, of their old bank statements, there would be, you know, all of these checks they'd written for years and years. Now, of course, there are you know, people alive who really don't know what this whole thing was about. Uh, because uh, after 9-11, the government enacted uh, Check 21, which is essentially a system where uh, the bank can take a check and convert it to a, an electronic um item, and a copy of that converted uh, electronic item can be requested as a copy or, you know, they can print images or something like that. Depends on your financial institution. And that is a legal equivalent of the check. And this served a couple of purposes. First, if you're having this sort of electronic processing of checks, then if you have an event where uh, you know planes get grounded as happened back on nine eleven The financial institutions can still process their checks and send the information to each other to uh debit accounts so that the whole economy doesn't come to a standstill in terms of uh, the financial system. And it also had the effect of reducing the float time. And one thing you'll hear a lot in uh, golden age uh, dramas when you're dealing with uh, people writing bad checks is they'll often uh, write a bad check off of an account that is out of state. And depending on where it was from, it could take a week or more for the check to process, which was time for many skilled confidence men and women, I suppose, to write the bad check, enjoy the benefits of it, and get out of town before anyone is the wiser. And even with local checks, because of manual processing, it could take, you know, a couple days. Now, with modern check processing, that time is greatly reduced. But again, the result of that is that, uh, you know, people don't get their actual canceled checks back in the mail anymore. All right, well, we turn now to listener comments and feedback. And we had a comment on YouTube regarding the episode Conspiracy. They write, First, is the Stacy Keats mentioned in relation to the show related to the actor Stacy Keats? Secondly, I'm from a small southern s- town, and something like this happened in the town that I'm from when I was a little kid. It made national news. All right, well, thanks so much for the questions. Well, first of all, yes, Stacy Keats mentioned here is related to uh, Stacy Keats, the actor, uh, he's actually now known as Stacy Keach senior, and he was the father of uh, the actor uh Stacy Keach, who uh you know Junior, officially, I guess, who is best known for starring in Mike Hammer, but has also uh, followed his dad into uh, radio work, most notably as the host of the Twilight Zone audio dramas, but also acted in them as well as did some uh, Mike Hammer audio dramas and some other uh, narration work. And I don't know if the events and conspiracy would have made national news. I guess it would have kind of depended on what was going on at the time. I do think that the list of things that would make national news has uh, expanded over the years as we've increased the time and space for uh, news stories. Certainly, it would have been statewide news. And I think, as I said in the episode... Uh, that's part of the reason I think why they would have fictionalized the town because you just don't want to tear off those sort of old wounds because there you know would have been people in town had to live through that and had to rebuild and try and push the town forward. You know, maybe some people who were involved in the corruption in a minor way served their time and were able to get back into town. And you just don't want to rip open those old wounds. There's no point to it if the issue has been taken care of. Because even if you're doing like an unsolved crime, true crime sort of thing, and you're uh, dealing with something that's long lie uh, dormant, you're at least in theory looking for justice. If you Bring something up about a small town nobody would think of, and kind of open them up open them up to national disdain and the issue has been resolved. There's just no point to that, but yeah, I think it definitely would have been statewide news uh the I don't know whether it would have been national back during that time. it felt like it was. Around the time of the Great Depression, I think they said in that episode. Again, thanks so much for the comment. Well, now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jacqueline, Patreon supporter since August of 2018. Currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Jacqueline. And that will actually do it for today. Uh, if you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. Next Saturday, join us for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers. This week over at uh, Public Domain Video Theater, videotheater.greatdetectives.net, we'll have another episode of U.S. Marshal. But join us back here on Monday for another episode of Sam Spade, where... He was still there with his eyes glued to the window when I walked up behind him.
8: Hey, let go of me. Let go. Come on, come on. You're going inside. Listen, I'm not just a snooper. I'm only... I a... didn't say you were. I'm just inviting you inside for a better look. Now, I'm warning If you don't let go of me, I'm... Stop squirming, will you? Let <laughs> oh! go! <laughs> The kick he landed on me wasn't according to the Wrestling Association's rules, but I let him get away with it, mainly because I couldn't move for three or four minutes, and by that time, he disappeared down the street. When I recovered my faculties and staggered back to the door, I didn't bother ringing the bell. I just walked in. The hen fight was still going on somewhere in the upper reaches of the house. Then a door burst open on the upper landing, and a girl in a nurse's uniform ran down the stairs toward me... Pursued by a pale little woman with a pinched face who was brandishing a pair of brass fire you brushed past me, Doctor Reese, and headed off the pursuer. Stop it! Stop it at once! Have you gone crazy? Give me those fire Give them to me! What's the
7: matter, Helmut? Afraid I'll mar your light of love's beauty?
8: What started this?
7: I caught her creeping about the kitchen. The she She's going to poison my food. Explain to you, Mrs. Reese, the doctor. Oh, don't, don't,
8: don't bother explaining, Miss Roberts. These morbid fancies of hers.
7: Don't think I don't know what goes on in that office. That office where I'm not allowed anymore.
2: That's only because you make the patient so nervous, Esther.
7: I know what goes on. You and those women. That
2: will do, Esther. Go to your room. Very
7: well. But I won't have that woman in this house another day, Helmuth. Is that understood? Oh, go, Just, go to
0: your room, Esther. I'm going,
7: I'm going. But remember what I said. I warned you both.
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.